Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. Hi, so good to be with you tonight. You know, as you know, I'm out of town right now, but I'll be back this coming weekend. But I'm so excited about this new teaching series called Burn the White Flag. Don't you like that? Amen. Burn the White Flag that I just wanted to get it started as soon as possible. So I thought I would just come to you through the miracle of DVD and be able to come and share with you this incredible teaching and get it started. Now, we're going to be on this the whole summer. This, I think this is such an important subject that I'm going to give it the summer. We're going to dig in. We're going to lay some foundations. We're going to put down some pillars. We're going to establish some truth. And we're going to walk out of the summer stronger than we were when it began. How many of you think that's a great idea? Amen. So uh, our foundation text, we're going to have a couple of them. But tonight I want to introduce one of them to you. So if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Luke, the 18th chapter. Luke chapter 18. All right. And I remind you, always want you to bring your own Bibles. Want you to come with a notebook, a piece of paper, so you can jot down a thought. Now, don't try to take notes of the whole service, all right, unless you can write really fast. But at least jot down some thoughts and uh, so you can go home and God can use that to strengthen the truth in you. Amen. Let's remember Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh how? By understanding the word of God. So it is my prayer tonight that truth and faith is going to come into our lives, it's going to take root in us, and it's going to take us from where we are to where God wants us to be in our understanding of how His kingdom works. All right, have you found Luke 18.1? Quite honestly, if you haven't found it by now, give up, look on with somebody else, huh? All right, Luke 18, Jesus is speaking, watch this, and He spoke a parable unto them to this end, or to bring this truth out. All right, so he tells us before the parable is spoken, he tells us what the purpose of the parable is, right? That men ought always to pray and not to faint. So two things there. There were two objects to this parable. Number one, the power of continual prayer. That prayer is supposed to be something that we rely on, that we depend upon, that we have as a part of our lives. Amen. And then he says that he doesn't want us to faint. Now, I think that that word faint there means more than just in relation to prayer, although it doesn't exclude that. All right? So there's an idea here that in prayer that we, we come into this life of prayer, not just, not just an individual prayer, right? Not just a single prayer, right? But this always to pray. Did you get that? He didn't just say, I'm teaching this to you that men ought to pray, but he said always to pray. So to me, he's talking about a lifetime of prayer, that prayer is a part of my lifestyle, right? Just like I eat, I work out, I sleep, I visit, I'm engaged, I work, you know, I do those things in my life. So prayer is to be a part of my lifestyle, my life journey. That's a good thought, huh? Amen. So he said that men ought 
always to pray, and then he says, and not to faint. Now, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Huh? I mean, as I meditate upon this, I think about all of the things that Jesus could have said to you and me. All of the things that he could have pointed towards in life, right? He said that men, he could have said that men ought always to pray and love to pray, right? He could have said that, said that men ought always to pray and be quick to forgive. That would have been great teaching. That men ought always to pray and be ready to pray for others. Amen. That men ought always to pray. Right? I mean, we could just keep going on and on. But out of this huge field of things that he could have done a parable to instruct us about, he focuses on this statement that we're not to faint. That we are not to faint. So before I go any further in, in understanding this for my life, for your life, before I go any further, I know this, that there is, there's going to be opposition to me to, number one, to get me to remove prayer from my life living, my life journey, to make prayer just hit and miss or, you know, only pray when things are really bad or, you know, when all hope is gone, then I finally pray. So there's going to be that kind of thinking. And then there's also, yeah, going to be pressure on me and on you to faint, to faint. Now, let me give you some definitions. And, you know, I know I give you a lot of definitions because, you know, I want to, 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 to increase our understanding. And so let me, let me give you some definitions here. And I would really like for you, if you would, to write this definition down. I'd like for you to put this definition someplace where you can pull it out over the next several weeks and for the entire summer and maybe even beyond and look at this. And let it speak to you. Let it challenge you. Let it say to you, wow, am I falling into this? Because you don't want to, right? We don't want to faint. So you ready? You got your pencil, got your paper, you ready to take down a note? Here's the definitions. Oh, it's quite a lot. I'm going to give it all to you, okay? It, the word faint not means, first of all, that you turn out to be a coward. He said, I don't want you to turn out to be a coward. Now look, there, there's, there's, there's great truth there and great revelation that as children of God, there's going to be pressure on us to turn out to be a coward. Wow. So I might want to underline that, right? Jesus said, I'm teaching you this because I do not want you to turn out to be a coward. Let's continue on, right? It means to lose your courage. So I can have courage, but I can also lose my courage. We're going to talk about all of this in detail over the next several weeks, okay? We're going to look at things in the Bible and study things out about all of these thoughts, but I want to give it to you tonight, right? So he said here that I don't want you to lose your courage. It also means, the term faint not means, the word faint means to be slothful in duty. To be slothful in duty. 
underline the word slothful in duty there. I think, I think that we're, we're going to come back to that in a few weeks, right? That we're not slothful in duty, okay? It's a very good thought, very powerful thought. It's going to tie into another truth that God reveals to us in his word to help us, right, to, to, to walk the way he wants us to go. Listen to this definition. Especially in the light of the teaching I just did on soul good. Listen to this. It means to lose soul or heart. To lose soul or heart. You know, 3 John verse 2 says that we prosper and we are in health even as our soul prospers. Wow, think about that. Right? That we that we prosper and we are in health even as our souls prosper. But here he tells us, Jesus says, I'm teaching you this because I don't want you to lose your soul or your heart. All right, let's go on. He continues. It also, words faint means to grow weary, to grow weary. Now we're going to look at another foundation text probably next week talking about growing weary weary. Don't want you to grow weary, right? Doesn't want us to grow weary. So there's a temptation here, if you would. It's going to be pressure applied to our lives to do that very thing. So I've got to be on guard. Can I hear a good amen tonight, right? I've got to be on guard that I don't grow weary, all right? Now, the literal text, right? If you could read this in the original literal language, it says this, right? That you don't throw in the towel. (laughs) That you don't throw in the towel, right? Those of you that are boxing fans or or UFC fans or something, you know, you've seen maybe occasionally somewhere where the fight is going so badly that the corner will throw in the towel, Huh? I remember one of the Rocky movies, right, that, uh, that uh, the, his, his manager, Rocky, was getting beaten. He threw the towel, and Rocky grabbed it and threw it back out of the ring. Our boy Rocky, right? So he says here, Jesus said, I don't want you to throw in the towel. But listen to this. He also said, I don't want you to wave the white flag. To wave the white flag. Jesus said, I'm teaching you this so that you don't wave the white flag. Now, let me give you some information here. I did some research about the white flag. And what I've discovered is, is what we all pretty well know, but it's kind of interesting, right? The white flag worldwide always signifies surrender or truce. Surrender or truce. Jesus said, I don't want you to wave the white flag. I don't want you to surrender or truth or call for truth. It means to give up, right? The white flag means we give up. When an army waves the white flag, they're saying we give up. We give up. Now, here's something, a little interesting point you might enjoy. Worldwide, no army or navy ever goes out with a white flag in their boxes. They never pack one. They don't take one. 
They don't pack one. There's not one anywhere in the, in the, in the division or in the regiment or in the company or in the platoon or on the ship. No army or navy worldwide carries a white flag. Isn't that interesting? So when they go to war, when they go to fight, they do not take the white flag with them. There is no plan to surrender. There's no plan to give up. So they don't take it. And I believe that what Jesus is saying here is, I don't want you to have one packed away somewhere in your thinking, somewhere in your heart, somewhere in your soul, somewhere in your family. I don't want you to, to wave the white flag. So if there is a white flag, praise God, we're going to burn the white flag. Can I get a hallelujah, an amen, a hand clap on that, right? I want us to get that mentality that from here on, we're going to burn the white flag. We're going to remove that thought, that idea of becoming a coward, losing our heart and our soul, giving up, surrendering. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to get rid of it. Now, I wanted to teach you this because, let me just talk to you personally from my heart to yours for a moment before we get into, into, into more study. Are you enjoying this tonight? Is this good? Amen. I have learned in my 40 plus years of serving God, my 40 plus years of living in his kingdom. Remember Colossians 1, for he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So as children of God, when you accept Jesus, when you're born again, when you receive Jesus into your life, when you receive him and you become a child of God, then Colossians says that God delivers us from the kingdom of darkness and translates us into the kingdom of his dear son. So I did live in the kingdom of darkness. You did live in the kingdom of darkness. We were actually born into that kingdom. And now, as children of God, we have been delivered from that kingdom. Let's give the Lord a hand clap and a shout of hallelujah and thank you, Lord, for that. Right? Amen? That we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And he says he delivers us from that kingdom. But he doesn't just deliver us from the kingdom. He then puts us in the kingdom of his dear son. And then, for the rest of our life, we are to walk in that kingdom, we are to understand how that kingdom operates, and we are to live our lives, spirit, soul, body, financial, and social, in harmony with the principles or the laws that cause that kingdom to operate, right? It is the kingdom of God. Now, if you've never heard this, this can be life-changing. The word kingdom there literally means royal domain. So we live in a royal domain. Hey, this kingdom is run, is run by a royal family. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right? It's not a democracy. There are no votes taken. God does not run opinion polls of the body of Christ or the world about how the kingdom of God is supposed to operate. No, 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 no. It's their kingdom, 
They've had it long before you and I came into it, and there are certain principles or truths or laws that cause that kingdom to operate. Now, in my 40-plus years of living in that kingdom, I have come to learn this, and I'm sure many of you have also, that there is a reoccurring pressure a reoccurring pressure to try to make me wave the white flag. To wave the white flag. Try to get me to give up on Christian life. Let's be truth. Let's just get into it, huh? Trying to get me to give up on Christian life. To try to get me to give up living by faith, to try to get me to give up in my giving, to try to get me to give up in, in, in following the Lord, in being his disciple, tried to get me, trying to get me to give up being the light of the world and the salt of the earth, trying to get me to give up on forgiveness, trying to get me to give up on getting my mind renewed, trying to get me to give up on having the right heart attitude as I live and walk my journey through life, trying to get me to give up in believing in Him, believing in the Lord, believing in His Word, trying to get me to give up and how I serve the Lord and my dedication to Him trying to get me to give up, to wave the white flag, to surrender, to stop, to go back, maybe, to the way I used to live. Am I getting through to anybody tonight? Is this making sense to you? I would venture to say that the majority of us in this room tonight have experienced the same kind of pressure. And it, it's not maybe every day, 24-7, but it's reoccurring. There have been times in my life when that pressure was every day, 24-7. But even when I have stood the test and I have pushed that away and I did not give up, you give it a while and it comes back around. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight, right? Amen? It comes back around. That pressure comes back around us trying so hard to get you and me, your family, my family, us as a church family, to give up, to wave the white flag. We surrender. We surrender to negativism. We surrender to doubt and unbelief. We surrender to fear. We surrender to Oh, well, you know, nothing good can come out of El Paso, you know. We surrender. You know what I'm talking about tonight? Amen? You know, that pressure to surrender. Oh, you might as well give up on that thought of going to college. You might as well give up on that thought that your kids are, are going to get a higher education. You might as well give up on that thought that you can put your kids at Faith Christian Academy. You might as well give up on that thought. You know, that 
constant pressure. You might as well give up on that thought that you'll ever meet the right person. You might as well give up on that thought that you could ever be forgiven, that you could ever forgive. You might as well give up on that thought. You know, nobody ever does anything. Our family never amounts to anything. Nothing good can happen. You know, the dogs are always barking. Amen? The dogs of surrender. The dogs of wave the white flag. I'm not going to wave the white flag. How many of you are with me? I'm not going to wave the white flag. Not only am I not going to wave it, let's burn it. Let's burn the white flag in our lives. Huh? Let's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Right? Now, I've had people in my life ask me, say, Pastor, have you ever thought about quitting? Yeah, I've thought about quitting a lot of times. Huh? Let me, give, let me give somebody some help tonight. Nothing wrong with thinking about quitting, so long as you don't quit. Amen. Thought about quitting. Thought I was going to be forced to quit at one time, whether I wanted to or not, right? But I never did quit. You want me to tell you why I didn't quit? Because I'm not a quitter. And you know why I'm not a quitter? Because I am a child of God. Say it with me. I'm not a quitter. I am a child of God. Say it again. I'm not a quitter. I am a child of God. Now give the Lord a great hand clap for that tonight. Praise God. Amen. I am a child of God. And you need to get that down into your, into your, your gut, if you would. All right? That I'm not a quitter. I don't live in a family of quitters. I'm not raising kids that are quitters. We are the children of God. Amen. All right? Now, let me give you a little bit of thought in the last few moments I have right here. This reoccurring pressure comes towards us to get us to wave the white flag. I, I want to I bring that thought home to you, right? That in my life, I have beaten the pressure to quit, to wave the white flag, right? I have beaten that pressure. I've beaten it. Several times I've beaten it in my life. And what's amazing is, is that when you beat it, you, you think, you know, I did. I thought, well, I'll never be bothered with that again. That was wrong thinking, right? And, you know, in a little while, it comes back around. So what I've learned to do, and I want to share with you tonight, right, is to be ready for it. To be aware that my adversary, your adversary, Peter said in 1 Peter 5, Satan goes about, listen to the words, goes about as a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Right? So he goes about, he's kind of on the prowl. You know, he's just kind of walking through the earth looking for someone that he may devour, that he can frighten with his roar, right? He goes about how as a roaring lion, right? So I, I wonder tonight, I wonder if the devil's been roaring at you, huh? Boy, if he has, you're in the best place you could be tonight. You're in the house of God. You're learning what's going on. 
Faith is coming into your life. You're going to walk out of here tonight, and you're not going to be afraid of the roaring lion. Amen? You know what's going on. Going on. So listen, Satan comes around over and over. In our walk with God, over and over, trying to get us to surrender. Trying to get us to surrender. Now, I'm going to expand that thought out. Are you ready? Let me read to you my notes here. So Satan comes around over and over, trying to get you and I to surrender. Surrender, here's a list. Write this down. I, I would encourage you to. To our, to our lusts. We're going to talk about that in detail. But trying to get us to surrender to our lusts. Huh? To our lusts. What's a lust? An inordinate desire. Or it's a desire that's gone out into a place where it shouldn't be. Okay? So our lusts. You know, you know, you can you can desire a claim, you can desire success, but have you know too, that can become a lust to where it grows out of proportion. You know, you can desire uh, more money, but their Bible talks about the lust of money. So you need to be careful with that, right? Because it can grow that far. Right, I mean, it's, it's so true, you know. Uh, we have these desires, and if we're not careful, Satan will take those and blow them into a world, into a place where they shouldn't be. And he wants us to surrender to those lusts. I wonder how many of us in here tonight, right now, that roar is going on in our heads right now. Where Satan is trying to get us, we know what the scripture says, come on. We know what God has instructed us about, and yet there's this pressure being applied to us to give in, to surrender to our own lusts. No, take that white flag, burn it, throw it away. I'm not going to surrender to that. Can I hear a good amen tonight? Not going to surrender to that. Listen to this. He's trying over and over again to try to get us to surrender to our circumstances. Right? To the circumstance. You know, one thing you will never hear me say, when somebody asks me, you'll never hear me say this. Right? People say, hey, how's it going? Well, I'm doing okay under the circumstance. No. No. You'll never hear me say that. You know why? Because I don't believe the circumstance rules my life. I may be in it. The word circumstance simply means the circle you're standing in. That's all it means. I'm st- I may be standing in this circle, but you know what? I'm not going to surrender to it. I'm not going to decree that that, that that circle that I'm standing in is Lord of my life. I'm not going to decree that that circle is greater than the promise of God to deliver me out of that circle. I'm not going to quit walking by faith, no matter how big the walls may be coming up around in that circle. I'm not going to surrender to the circle. But there's pressure. Amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? There's pressure applied to us to get us, when we get in that circle, to wave the white flag, right? To give up, to throw in the towel, to lose our courage, lose our soul, lose our hearts, grow weary. Oh, I'm so tired of this. You know, is this ever going to stop? I don't know. You know, I think I'm, I just can't. Here's, here's one thing you'll never hear me say. 
I can't take this anymore. Well, where are you going to go live? Have, have you got a, another universe that you can move to? Is there an alternate universe you have found? Are you going through some kind of Star Trek thing there, right, where you went through the Energizer thing and the transporter, and now you're in a separate universe? Wow, I got really geeky there, didn't I, talking about Star, Star Trek. All right, but my point is, is that there is no alternate universe. This is the only world we live in, and... You know, you know, and I know why people say it. Please don't think I don't have empathy. I have felt that way at times myself. But that, to me, that's a phrase of surrender. I can't take anymore. Well, then what? You saying that makes it disappear? Honey, you can say it all you want. But the test, the trial, the problem, the issue, it's still there. You can go home and go to bed tonight and say, I can't take this anymore. When you wake up in the morning, it's going to be waiting for you at the foot of the bed. Amen. Be standing there. The lion's going to be standing there looking at looking at you eyeball to eyeball. See, that's, that's a phrase of surrender. That's saying, oh, oh, I just can't. I just can't. Oh. No, and listen, I know what it's like. That's why I'm teaching this to you. Because we need, as children of God, the Word of God instructs us not to give in, not to give up, not to lose our courage, not to lose our heart, not to lose our soul, to fight that feeling of being weary, to fight it, to fight it. So the devil comes around over and over trying to get us to surrender to our lusts, to our circumstances, what the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, calls the fleeting fashions of the age. Well, you know, I know the Bible says that, but everybody else thinks this. Everybody else is doing that. Everybody, you know, everybody. Well, first of all, it's not everybody, all right? But everybody's, you know, I don't know, Pastor, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe the Bible's out of date. You know, maybe the Word of God doesn't apply. To, and the whole time you're thinking that, you know that's not true. Amen? The whole time you're thinking it, you know that's not true. Pastor, you're picking on me. No, I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on the devil. I'm pulling the covers back off of his shrouded darkness that he's been deceiving us and fooling us, right, into thinking that we should conform to the world instead of being conformed to the image of God's dear son. Amen. Right? So he wants to try to get us to, 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 to surrender to the fleeting fashions of the age. Here's another one, Right? tries to get us, reoccurring, comes around, tries to get us to wave the white flag to temptation, tests, and trials. To wave the white flag to temptation, tests, and trials. Wow. Hmm? To temptation. You know, it is possible, come on, to say no to temptation. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to do it. Amen. It's possible to say no, to tell yourself no. Now, that's not a real popular teaching in America today because a lot of people think that they should be allowed to do whatever, whenever, as often as they want, this and that. Well, that's not the way life is, Bubba or Bubette. It doesn't really work that way, okay? But to temptations, tests, and trials. You know, listen, temptations, tests, and trials, right, are not fun. 
They're not fun at all. And the, they come to get us to surrender, to just give into it, right? To collapse under the pressure of it. And yet Jesus told us that he doesn't want us to faint. He doesn't want us to give in. He doesn't want us to throw in the towel. He doesn't want us to wave the white flag. He doesn't want any of that in our lives. Instead, he wants us, right, to fight through, to pray, and to come out and not cave in. If you have your Bible with you here in the last three minutes, turn with me to Luke, the fourth chapter, and I want to show you something here out of the life of Jesus, right? Now, in this chapter is when Jesus is tempted by Satan, okay? So he begins, and, and he's in the desert, he's in the wilderness, he's there 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan tempts him, or he brings tests and trial. He tempts him, tests him, and tries him, okay? Now, you know the order probably, right? Uh, in verse 3, he says, if you be the Son of God. That's what it says in my Bible. But a more accurate translation is Satan said this, since you are the Son of God. Listen, Satan knew who he was dealing with. There was no doubt in his mind who Jesus was, all right? The whole spiritual world knew who Jesus was. Is that clear? Amen? They all knew who he was, all right? And so he says, since you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus replied to him and said, It is written, you should, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. Verse 5, The devil took him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, said unto him, All this power will I give you, and all the glory with them, right? For that is delivered unto me, and I will give it to whomsoever I will. If you will therefore worship me, all shall be yours. Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him up to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down. He said, For, for Satan. Now watch, Satan quotes Psalm 91. For he shall give you his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, least any time you dash your foot against stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him, watch this, for a season. Not forever. He comes back. You can see him come back in the rest of the Gospels in the form of persecution and lies and people trying to hurt him, and eventually they take him to the cross. Now, what did I wanted you to see here, right? These, these temptations centered on these three areas. Number one, he tried to get Jesus to depend on his own resources. Number two, he tried to get Jesus to force the hand of God. Cast yourself off, right? The hand of God. Number three, to refuse Calvary. Listen, Jesus, if you bow down, I'll give all this to you. In other words, you don't have to go to Calvary. You don't have to go through the cross, right? Remember, Satan always wanted to be the Most High. Isn't that interesting? So he tried to get the Most High to bow down and worship him because he wanted to be the Most High. Okay? So these are areas that we need to be aware of, right? He tried to get Jesus to surrender. He came at him many more times. All right, in closing, turn with me to Ephesians 6. I want to give this to you real quick. Take me about another minute or two. All right? Ephesians 6. 
And we'll pick up here next time, Ephesians 6. He's talking here about walking through life with the whole armor of God on, righteousness, salvation, faith, right? And then he, he comes down, and he, verse 18, he says, praying always. There's back to prayer again. Praying always, back to praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watch now, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. So now he says to us, in our life, in our journey of faith, in our journey of walking with God, to do it with perseverance. The word perseverance means endurance, patience, long-suffering, right? Let me give you some more. It means persistence in a course of action. Jesus said, I want you to be persistent in your walk with me. It means purpose. Well, we're going to come back and look at this next week. I love this. Doggedness. I like that word, right? Doggedness. It means resolute and unyielding holding on. To be resolute and unyielding and holding on in following a course of action. Almost done. It also means activity maintained in spite of difficulty. Wow. Steadfast and long-continued application. All right, I'm going to give you the Charles Neiman definition. It's grit. Right? Grit. It's having grit in your soul, grit in your heart, grit in your mind, right? I've started this. I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to wave the white flag. I'm going to stay steady. I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay in my walk. I'm going to stay in my relationship. I'm going to keep walking by faith. Nothing is going to knock me off course. I burn the white flag. Hallelujah. If you learned something good tonight, would you give him a good hand clap of praise and thanks? Amen. Stand to your feet. And let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for every person. I thank you for this teaching. I thank you for this truth. And God, we receive it into our hearts. We embrace it into our minds. We take it. And if we picked up the white flag tonight, we burn it and we throw it away. We're not going to give in. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. See you this weekend. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.